I'm pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work. Okay, so today I'm continuing on with the guilds. I've talked Demir. I've talked Selesnia. Today we talk, is it blue-red? Okay, so is it has always been an interesting one. Um, so philosophically, blue is all about um, the, the want of perfection. The idea being that you are born a blank slate. And with the proper knowledge, the proper training, the proper tools, you can be whatever you want to be. Um, so blue tends to be very um, technology-oriented, tool-oriented, that it wants the latest thing because it believes if it's going to be the best that it can be, a big part of that is access to the latest technology. Okay, so we take red. Red is all about the idea of following your passion. You know, uh, it wants with a freedom through action. Uh, blue, by the way, is perfection through knowledge. Um, and it wants to sort of follow its heart. It wants to live, to, you know, it wants to live a life that's fulfilled. You know, it, it wants to be able to embrace its passions and that, you know, the whole idea to Red is you're supposed to live life by the gusto and do what you want, you know, do what comes to you and be spontaneous and, you know, and live an exciting life and live a life of, of you know, meeting all your emotions. So one of, one of the sides of that is red tends to be the color that most dips into art. Red is very much into sort of following your passion and, um, you know, a lot of the, the sense of the artist very much ties into red. Um, where blue has a lot of the sense of the scientist to it. Um, so what happens when you take the, the scientific technical approach of blue and the artistic passion of red and you smush them together? Well, you end up with creativity. Um, blue and red come together and so... You know, the is it the idea of the is it philosophically we always liked was kind of these mad inventors that they are um, they just are passionate designers that they're constantly trying to make you know the the greatest thing they can. But they're they're so caught up in their passions and their spontaneity um, that they are just making the craziest things. Now some of them work. It's not not as if they're not they are smart, um, but they do they do make kind of uh, mad inventions, if you will. Okay, one of the problems we've always had, though, is that is what they represent philosophically. Philosophically, it's kind of like, um, you know, passioned scientific exploration. Um, you know, the, the, the quest of technology through the eye of the artist is sort of blue-red. Um, but, but mechanically, blue and red, uh, last time we talked about Selesnya, and I said how white and green were the colors most about creatures. Well, blue and red are the colors least about creatures. So, in a set, when we make a set, um, uh, I think 62% of white cards are creatures, uh, 59% of green cards, 56% of uh, black cards, 53% of red cards, and 50% of blue cards. So, blue and red, while they still have plenty of creatures, are the smallest. They have the least amount of creatures. And they have, and because they have the least creatures, they tend to have the most spells. Um, so blue and red have become the spell, the spell, um, you know, especially instants and sorceries. Um, so in Is It, we sort of played it into that. They were the spell colors. So they were the colors that most care about instants and sorceries. Um, and one of the challenges has always been that the kind of flavor, mad scientist feel, and mechanical instants and sorceries matter have always been a little bit at odds with each other. Um, you know, the mad scientist wants to be more concrete. It's making things. But the instant sorceries more might want to be about what they're doing. And so, 
Um, you know, the creative team's done a pretty good job of trying to capture the, the general feel of Is It on their cards. Um, but it's just something in which it's probably the guild where the philosophical sort of flavor and the mechanical definition are the farthest apart from one another. Um, so that's been an ongoing issue that we've had to deal with when trying to sort of deal with, um, with the Is It. So, um, so Guild Pact was the first time, so the Is It, the Azorius, and the Gruul showed up, um, in the, so Dissension, uh, not Dissension, Guild Pact. So the first time we went to Ravnica, it was return, it was, sorry, it was Ravnica, Guild Pact, Dissension. Um, and the middle set is the set that had Is It in it. Uh, it's, interestingly, of all the sets that have, we've designed for Ravnica, of Ravnica, of Guild Pact, of Dissension, of Return to Ravnica, of Gatecrash, of... Dragon's Maze, of Guilds of Ravnica, of Ravnica Allegiance, of all eight guild sets, uh, I have worked on seven of them. The one I, I was not on the design team for was uh, Guild Pack. Now I was, I was, I, I became head designer shortly before Ravnica started, so I did oversee the set, and I, obviously I had some impact on it, And um, but it's the one team that I wasn't directly on the team. Anyway, um, so the mechanic they came up with, uh, was a pretty good instance in Sorcery Matters mechanic. It's called a Replicate. So the way a Replicate works is you can pay extra mana, and for every time you pay extra mana, you get to copy the spell. Um, and how much the spell costs and how much it costs to replicate the spell varies. Sometimes the spell costs more and the Replicate costs is less. Sometimes the spell's a little cheaper, but the Replicate costs is more. It, it, it can vary a little bit. Usually, the Replicate costs is a little bit less than the cost of the spell. So, you know, doing it the first time is the most, and then extra times cost a little bit less per, per spell. Um, now, Replicate was a pretty fun mechanic. It went over pretty well with the player base. Um, but the, the challenges were, okay, so once again, um, now the first set that had them only had three um, guilds in it, and the extra tricky thing was you never drafted guild pack by itself. You always first drafted... Um, I think in the, back in the day, it was two packs of Ravnica and then one pack of Guild Pack was how it was drafted back in the day. So Guild Pack really supplemented what you did in the first pack. Now, one of the interesting things about the way original Ravnica worked was we had four guilds, uh, and every color was represented twice except for blue and red. So blue and red had extra individual monocolored spells. There was no multicolored blue-red spells, but there were more monocolored blue and monocolored red spells. So one of the things you could do if you were trying to draft is you could draft blue and red knowing that you wanted to go into Is It in the third pack uh, and just pull up. There were just more blue and red spells to take. Um, the other thing is um, if you look at the guild, okay, so um, there is only one blue guild in that set. Um, uh, there's no other blue guild. Uh, but there was a second red guild, which was Gruul. Um, the thing was, because you drafted as the third pack, you never really drafted Is It with Gruul. That's just not the way it worked. So more the way we had to think about it in that set was, okay, what are the blue and red guilds in the first thing that you might combine it with? So for example, I might draft Demir and then sort of pick up Is It in the last pack. Like I might draft Demir, pick up some extra red cards in the first two packs, and then go after getting Is It in the third pack. Or... Um, I could um, get Boros in the first pack and then pick up some blue, extra blue in the first pack and then pick up blue in the last pack and I can do Boros in Is It. Um, 
the idea being that we had to sort of think how you would combine things. Um, now, the interesting thing is Selesnya and Golgari have zero overlap with um, Izzet. So Izzet really over, overlap with Boros and with... Um, said it, Boros and uh, the blue one was Demir. Um, Demir and Izzet actually worked a little bit bit together because they're both slower, a little bit slower. Uh, Izzet ended up being sort of a tempo-oriented guild. Um, blue and red when it plays together. Uh, temp what tempo means is I'm constantly sort of doing things to put you off balance so that I'm, I'm beating you because it's not that I'm necessarily always destroying your things as much as I'm just keeping you a step behind. Um, bounce is a good example of tempo where I take a creature and put it back in your hand. Not that the creature's gone forever, but you've lost a turn of utility out of it. And a lot of the way that is it tends to function is it uses that utility and that tempo to slow, sort of get incremental advantage and slowly beat you down. Um, when put together with Demir, um, you know, Demir had Transmute as its mechanic, and um, the blue Transmute cards would allow you to go get some of the cards you needed out of your deck. So the Transmute actually worked just fine. Um, and if you splash in black, uh, if you went Demir plus it, you just had a slightly slower gameplay. Cause Demir, but Demir, once again, tempo and card advantage, because Demir is very about like control card advantage, actually has a decent amount of overlap. So those add some synergy between them. Um, Boros was a little trickier. Boros was more aggro. Um, if you went Boros splashing blue for Izzet, you tended to um, try to take the Izzet cards. That was going to, uh, try to use the tempo thing to help you with playing an aggro. Because you can go aggro tempo. It's a little harder, and aggro less likes playing three colors. So, um, but it, there was a viable thing that you could do if you were trying to draft that. Um, as you will see in later guilds, we start having things where you get like. The weird thing about original Ravnica was the way you drafted it, the second and third set didn't really let you, like, you couldn't just draft Is It in a vacuum. You couldn't just draft a red-blue deck. I mean, you could, well, red-blue is weird. You could, in the first pack, first two packs, draft red-blue just because they, there were extra blue and red cards. Um, but something like Gruul or, or Zorius, you really, it was super hard to draft just those colors. Um, okay, anyway, Replicate went over pretty well. It was a fun mechanic. Um... You know, it definitely allowed you to sort of, um, you know, as you got more mana, allowed your, your spells to kind of get bigger because in copying them, you, you, they essentially created a larger impact on what they did. Um, okay, so then we get to Return to Ravnica. So Return to Ravnica, um, is it, is it was in the first set. It was in Return to Ravnica. So the first set was Is It, it was Azorius, it was Selesnia, it was Golgari, and it was Rakdos. So now we're in a system where we have five guilds, you're drafting all five, and you can, in fact, draft two color. So, um, okay, so the trick of this one was, uh, so Ken Nagel was the lead designer, and Ken had created a mechanic during the second great designer search. Um, Ken came in second in the, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the first great designer search. Ken came in second in the first great designer search, um, losing to Alexis Jansen. Um, and one of the mechanics that Ken had made was a mechanic called Overload. And the idea of Overload is it went on instants and sorceries, and what it did is it changed the targeting. So normally the idea was the spell would just target a single target, and then if you pay the Overload cost, it would target every legal target it could. So for example, Tyrant Creature gets plus one, plus oh, and is unblockable. 
But if I overload it, all oh, target creature, uh, you would say target creature you control. In order for overload to work, we would specify whether it was for you or not for you, so that when you overloaded it, it only hit the things you wanted. So overload would say, oh, okay, uh, target creature you control gets plus one, plus one, and is unblockable. Well, if you overload it, now all creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and are unblockable. Um, and the idea was, now sometimes you might do damage to the opponent's creature, or then you do damage to all the opponent's creatures. You know, it, um, whenever expanded, it sort of took the effect you wanted and went bigger. Um, now the thing that this did was it, um, it was a mechanic that went on instants and sorceries. So obviously, since is it is very in, uh, instant and sorcery focused, uh, it made a lot of sense to go on them. Um, I the thing I always had with overload. I mean, I think overload is a fine instant and sorcery mechanic. Um, in retrospect, I don't know it was a great is it mechanic in that it is not. I mean. If you like to play into the idea that the Izzet are these wild um, inventors and that often part of wild invention is things blowing up in your face, which, sure, um, you could represent a little bit of that. Or maybe you could represent them, you know, that they're, I don't know, they're tinkering in some ways, that they're constantly expanding. I don't know. I mean, you can, we tried hard to sort of give an Izzet feel to Overload. Um, I think Overload is not inherently, I mean, it's the kind of thing that with proper flavoring you can make it feel is it e, but it is not something in a vacuum. I, I feel like it was a little bit more disconnected. Um, I think the reason Kenroy liked it was it was a fun mechanic and it did, hey, it, it needed to go on instants and sorceries and wanted to be in a place where you care about instants and sorceries. The other reason it was a decent um, guild mechanic is it is a pretty restrictive mechanic as far as card design. Um, you need to have things in which you're willing to do both the singular effect and the global effect on one card and one rarity. Like, one of the problems we had when making overload cards is, you know, hit one creature, that feels common. Hit all creatures, eh, that doesn't feel so common anymore. Um, and we had to be very careful that, you know, it, w it wasn't easy, for example, to make comments just because we don't make very many comments that hit all creatures or all a subset of creatures. Um, usually the higher rarities do that. And then, at the higher rarities, sometimes, when you would do the singular thing, yeah, the overload version felt rare, but the singular didn't quite feel rare. And so it was, it was tricky to design. And then, even just the rarity issue, just the overall number of effects that you both want to target one thing and want to target a group, uh, it's just not that big. You know, I mean, for starters, it had to be a targeted spell, uh, and then it had to be a targeted spell that it made sense that you would target a lot of creatures. Um, I mean, we, it wasn't that we weren't able to make the spells we needed. We did. It, um, like, uh, in Demir, I talked about how Cypher like, ran out of space and we're, like, scratching the bottom of the barrel to get space. That wasn't Overload. Overload, we did manage to sort of fill up the space we had. I don't think we could have done Overload in a much bigger um, space than, than we did. I mean, on some level, you could argue it's good for Guild Mechanic because it's not that big, and Guild Mechanics tend to be smaller. Um, my real issue is just a very, as, as a color pie purist, um, who really gets into the color philosophy, eh, it was a little bit of a stretch color philosophy-wise. Um, although, once again, the disconnect between instants and sorceries and is its general sense, I mean, al already has that thing. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the guilds we had to play with. So, once again, this was a set where you're drafting five. So, um, the basic strategy, as I, I've explained in other podcasts, is if you have guild, five guilds, the 
default strategy is drafting a two-color deck of one of the guilds, and the secondary strategy is, tra is dra drafting a three-color deck that is two of the guilds. So let's look at how the guilds light up. So is it blue and red? So on the blue side was Azorius. So, so if you play um, blue, white, and red together, you're playing is it with Azorius. So Azorius is a slow controlling deck. Uh, is it is a tempo deck. Um, those actually combine not not so poorly. Um, some of the things that you're using for tempo, like a lot of what a control deck is, is I need to get set up. I need to stall you to like get it set up and take control of the game. And a lot of tempo is I'm trying to stall you, but while being aggressive. I'm trying to stall you so I can get in the hits. Um, if you combine the two of them, both of them have a lot of stall strategies, you know, and you can either lean toward is it where you're using the um, tools of Azorius to help you with your stalling to get through for aggression, or if you lean toward Azorius, you're helping your tempo stuff to help you slow things down to get control of the game. Um, so the Azorius mechanic was Detain. Um, detain is a spe uh, it's an action that target creature can't attack, block, or use its abilities until... until uh, is it your next turn? Uh, for a turn. Um, so it's very tempo-y. So it did make sense and play just fine with, with Is It. Um, so on the other side, Is It got together with Rakdos, which was red-black. Um, and Rakdos had... Um, what was, what was the name of the mechanic? Uh, it was it was a mechanic where you could choose whether or not it came into play with a plus one plus one counter, and if it did, uh, it couldn't it couldn't block. So the idea was you were trying to figure out sort of what aggression, how much aggression you wanted. What was that called? Un Unleash? Unleash, I think it was called. Um, um, it, now once again, if you get Rakdos together with Is it, you're getting a little bit more aggressive. Um, Rakdos, Rakdos is also one of those decks that is what I call kind of aggression plus, is it's trying to attack, but the way that Raptors tends to work is it uses all its destruction spells to kind of clear the way. So it has um, some control elements to it, but it is more like I'm trying to attack you, not quite as fast as a uh, true aggro deck like Boros might, but quick enough and that I'm using my spells to sort of get things out of the way. Well, a tempo deck and kind of a, a more controlly aggro deck like Raptors those, once again, also can be synergistic. You're playing more into the aggressive elements of Is It and um, sort of using tempo and the destruction of, of, of Rakdos to clear the way to get your things through. Um, so both those strategies definitely could work together. Um, it's just funny in that um, you, it, it's sort of how you're... Like, when you combine with other colors or other guilds, it's just how are your tools being used. And usually what happens is one of the guilds is kind of providing the, the how to win and the other is using tools to advance that and that you can lean either way. That one of the cool things about drafting the guilds is if I draft a, a blue-red deck splashing black where it's it with a little bit of Rakdos or I draft a red-black deck splashing blue for a little bit of it, um, you know, both those decks are all three colors, you know, blue, black, red, but they play a little bit differently depending on sort of how you're doing it. And that's one of the cool things about Ravnica is you have a lot of nuance in how you draft and, and just the way the games play out are a little bit different based on the choices you made. Anyway, one of the cool things about um, Ravnica. Okay, so uh, Overload went over okay. It, 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 it was probably middle of the pack. It wasn't, it wasn't as much... Uh, I mean, Replicate wasn't necessarily... Uh, Replicate was... So when I grade things, uh, if you take the four quadrants, meaning... The audience gives it a grade, and then it's, is it in the 
top 25%, the mid, second 25%, the third 25%, or the bottom 25%. Um, I would say that, um, this is off the top of my head, but if I remember correctly, I think um, Replicate was second, like the 50 to 75 percentile, and that uh, Overload was 25 to 50 percentile. Anyway, um, so that brings us to Guilds of Ravnica. So in Guilds of Ravnica, we were very focused in... I mean, I the funny thing is I had never led a set before that had Izzet in it. Uh, I did not lead... I wasn't even on the team for Guild Pact. And Return of Ravnica, I was on the team, but Ken uh, Nagel ran the team. So this is the first time that I was the lead for a set that it is in. And I, for those who don't know, I feel I am a very Izzet-y person. Um, interestingly, Izzet is not my... F- so this is an interesting sign. I'm a very Izzet-y person. That's my personality. Yet I'm not the biggest Izzet player. You know, like, I, I'm much more likely to play um, Simic or Kagari. They're just a little more Johnny-ish, come very Johnny. Um, and I kind of wanted Izzet to have... Like, I felt like Izzet philosophically was was very Johnny-oriented, but the way it played out was a little less so. And I wanted to see, uh, could we add in a little bit more of the mad scientists? Like, one of the things I loved about Izzet as a guild was their embrace of creativity, the idea of how they sort of just, you know, would create these odd inventions that combine things in neat and cool ways. And I, I feel that we never quite got that part, the, the creati- creativity part, we never quite got out of... Um, is it? So one of my goals was I, I wanted to try to do that this time. I really wanted to get a little bit more creativity into the is it. So the first thing we tried was splice onto instant and sorcery. Um, so for those that might not know, so in uh, Champions of Kamigawa block, we made a mechanic called splice. Uh, in the set, it was splice onto arcane. Arcane was a, a brand new um, spell subtype on instant sorceries that uh, we introduced that only existed in the set uh, in Chimps Kagawa block. Um, and the idea with Arcane was um, you get to spend mana, if it's in your hand, to basically attach it to the spell that's being cast. And then the spell does its normal thing and does what you splice onto it, but the spell doesn't leave your hand. You're, you're, kind, of, you're kind of splicing it onto this other spell, but you get to do that and still have the spell in your hand to later cast it as a spell. Um, interesting, real quickly, when I made Splice, the original version I had for Splice was not working out of your hand, but working out of the graveyard. And the idea was you could splice cards onto cards. And I think um, there was one version where it was a little more fa- flashbacky, where you could splice it once, and then there's another version where you could just splice it as many times as you wanted. Um, we then decided it made a little bit more sense if it was sitting in your hand where you had some tension between casting it versus not casting it. Where if it's had in your graveyard, you always would cast it first, and there's a little less interesting tension there. Um, so Splice, Splice's biggest problem in Kamigawa was it was really, it was parasitic. Like, it was splicing onto something that only existed in that set. Like, if you wanted to play Splice on Arcane, you had it Arcane spells. But what set had Arcane spells? Only Champions block. The only Kamigawa block. Nobody else had that. So it was, it was a little too parasitic. Late in the process, because I actually was not on the design team for Kamigawa, but I was on the development team, um, uh, even though I made the mechanic, I made a bunch of mechanics. Um, in, the, in the early days, I uh, before I became head designer, although I became head designer like during Betrayers, um, I used to do a lot of des- like design work where I wasn't technically on the team, but I would do a lot of work helping the team. 
Um, so like you heard me talk about Onslaught or stuff. There's teams that I'm not even credited on that I did a lot of work on and uh, it helped a lot. Anyway, I made a bunch of mechanics, even though I wasn't on the design team. Um, I made Splice. Uh, Richard and I made Flip. Anyway. Um, okay, so late in the process during development, it dawned on me that maybe we could do Splice on Instance and Sorceries. And I brought that up, and I think the lead developer, I think it was Brian Schneider, and what he said to me was, it's just too late. Um, we've done too much work with it as is. That's a major change. Um, it's too late in the development process to make that change, even though it's an interesting idea. So in the back of my head, I always said, okay, at some point we should do Splice on Instance and Sorceries. It felt like the less parasitic version of Splice. So the very first thing we tried, like remember I, I, uh, in a previous podcast, I talked about how we started the meeting by writing every mechanic we formally had done that would make sense in that in that guild. And one of the ones we wrote down for Is It was Splice. Um, the thing I liked about Splice was the idea of mixing and matching spells. It's like, oh, well, if we could pick effects that kind of blended with each other, then there'd be this neat idea of I'm kind of, I, I'm the mad scientist making a spell. And that, that felt pretty cool, and that felt pretty easy. Um, we played with it, and it ended up being... It's one of those things where the utility of instant sorcerers is a little bit higher than just arcane, um, and it kind of meant that either we had to give a cost to every every instant sorcery in standard, which was also kind of hard because subsets had already made ahead of us, or we had to put that tax on the splice stuff itself, and then it just got kind of unwieldy and not particularly usable. Um, the whole point of splice is it wants to be a cheap a, a cheap cost, so you have the mana to splice it. But because of the power level of being able to do anything, um, it anyway, it just didn't really work out. We tried it, and it just... We couldn't find a clean solution that allowed us to make cool, fun splice cards that could be done in a way where they, they, they easily were spliceable. Um, okay. So next, we, we tried a bunch of different things. Um, the, the next thing that we did... Um, which I will refer to as um, Jewel. I'm not sure we called it Jewel at the time, but I think when they played with inset design, um, Jewel, Jules Robbins tweaked it a little bit, and so they ended up calling it Jewel, although J-E-W-E-L instead of Jewels. But, um, so the way it worked was, it went on instants and sorceries, and the idea was, when you cast this instant or sorcery, after it resolves, exile it. And then, whenever you cast another instant or sorcery, you can play that card for free. Uh, and the idea was, they were small effects, but you then can sort of mix and match them together, because we were trying to recreate what we had been doing in, um, what we had been doing in, with Splice. Um, I know in set design, they ended up, uh, moving it, so instead of being, uh, free, you had to pay, uh, you could cast it again, but you just put them on cheaper things, so you had the mana to cast them, um, that had a similar feel and definitely had some of the experimentation. Um, in the end, though, Eric realized that it the you were gaining a lot of card advantage, and that was causing problems. It was a little bit too efficient. Um, so Eric was trying to figure out how to sort of get some of that mixing and matching spells feel, but in a way that wasn't kind of putting you up cards. Um, and so then he came up with the idea of um, well, what if you had to discard a card to, to use it? Um, and then he realized that 
oh, it just was easier to put it in the, instead of having it in exile, and then if you used it, it goes to the graveyard, it just made more sense to be in the graveyard, and then if you use it, it goes to exile. Um, so they ended up having sort of a, a flashback feel to them. Um, but the big difference is, um, normally with flashback, you have a cost, and traditionally, it's a larger, more expensive cost um, for the second time you cast it. And here, the, it was the same cost, like you were casting out of the graveyard as the same cost it cost to cast it. But because you were discarding a card, um, in some ways it was a combination between flashback and a mechanical retrace. Uh, what retrace did is it allowed you to um, discard land to pay a mana cost, to essentially copy a spell that's in your graveyard. Um, retrace spells are, were on instant sorceries, and it turned your lands into copies of these spells. Um, and that was something that was... Th th this is kind of a cross between flashback and retrace, that it allows you to turn um, cards in your hand essentially into another version of this card. But you don't go up in card advantage because you had to trade a card for it. Um, and then, as Eric was sort of working around with the sets around it... Um, so remember, in this set, um, is it overlaps with Demir and overlaps with uh, Boros? Um, so when overlapping with Demir, um, Demir has Surveil. Surveil is a sort of scry-like variant where you look at the top end cards of your library, um, you can put them in any order you like, and you can choose any number of them and put them back on top of the library in any order, and the rest you can put in your graveyard. Um, so in a world of, of a jumpstart, sorry, so the mechanic ended up being called Jumpstart. Um, in a world of Jumpstart, Surveil is nice because sometimes what you want to do is you can dump the Jumpstart stuff into your graveyard because you can cast it out of your graveyard. Um, so, you know, you could use the Surveil to interact with the sort of the graveyard component of Is It. Um, and, once again, uh, I, I talked about this before, but Demir and Is It definitely have some, some overlap um, actually, I did tell you before. They do have some overlap. Demir is a little bit more... Oh, no, I, I, did I talk about this? Maybe I did. Uh, Demir, yeah, I, I did talk about this. Uh, Demir is card advantage. It's sort of trying to aggro using card advantage to, to, to do what it wants to do. It's doing a lot of trading and stuff. And, you know, is it is very more tempo-oriented. Well, those two blend together pretty well. So blue, black, red allows you that. And then you can use your surveil and your jumpstart together. Um... Is it with Boros was a little bit trickier. Um, you know, once again, you're trying to use your tempo as a means to help out with your um, your aggression because obviously Boros is the fastest, most aggressive deck that we make. Um, the one thing we did try to do is make sure that our jumpstart cards in red were things that the Boros would want. The things that they tended to be combat oriented or more aggressive oriented, so that there's the kind of thing that the red cards have good overlap. You know, they, they played obviously well in an Izzet deck, but they also played well in a Boros deck. And, um, you know, we, uh, Eric worked really hard to make sure... I mean, of all the connections mechanically, I will admit that Boros and Izzet, you know, um, Mentor and Jumpstart had the least sort of inherent connection to them. You know, most of the other ones, like Surveil and Jumpstart, have a very, you know, have some synergy between them. Um, but one of the things that happens when you're building a Ravnica set where you have five sets and they have to sort of connect in a circle is usually you can connect everything, but at the end, you have to... The first one's got to connect to the last one, and that usually that's the hardest one to make the, the cleanest connection. Um, 
And the way you end up doing it is not by sort of the core essence of the mechanics, but by the execution of the mechanics. Um, the cards that you do, um, you know, the red mentor cards and the red jumpstart cards both have to be careful how the other deck might want to make make use of them. The other deck, you know, the, the if you're having Boros splash is it, the jumpstart cards make sense. If you're having is it splash Boros, the uh, mentor cards make sense. And so having that mix was important. Um, so once again, uh, since I'm talking about Guilds of Ravnica shortly after, I mean, as I'm recording this, the pre-release happened, but the set isn't released yet. So I obviously don't have a lot of data um, about how much people like it. Um, the one thing that I will say that I like a lot about Jumpstart is um, it is the first is it mechanic, guild mechanic, that really taps, I feel, into the idea of sort of creativity and you get to sort of mix and match spell effects. Uh, it's not perfect. I, I mean, we definitely experimented with things that went a little further um, in our in our in design, in vision design. Um, but I, I'm happier, you know, we, we're moving in the right direction. Um, I feel like every time we get to Ravnica, we kind of improve our tools. And I admit that is it is it the guild that's probably the biggest challenge. Um, but I'm happy how it feels, and I do feel that it has a pretty is it sensation. And, and the gameplay is a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I do think that uh, Eric and the set design team and all the play design team. You know, one of the things about Guilds of Ravnica is I think it's a very fun set to play because the guilds both have strong identity and do what they do, but they work together really well. And the synergy between the guilds really is, in my mind, the, the secret sauce of, of, a, of a Ravnica design is you want to make something where the guilds both feel good in isolation and feel good in conjunction. And I feel that Guilds of Ravnica does that really well. Um... So anyway, that, my friends, is all there is to say about Is It. Um, it is definitely uh, one of the guilds that has... I mean, it's, it stayed pretty true. In it, it, I mean, it is the Instant Sorcery Guild. Mechanically, it stayed pretty true. And its flavor of the Mad Inventors, you know, the creative team always does a good job. And it always has been names that kind of blend words together. You know, it, it has a good sensibility. Um, and I, I, I feel like... You know, as, with time, we're getting even better uh, of sort of combining the mechanical identity with the flavor identity. Um, and that is something that uh, I do appreciate. But anyway, uh, I'm driving up to work, so uh, we all know what that means. Uh, this means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So I'll see you guys all next time.